0: Welcome. This is Philippe Albuquerque. I am the editor-in-chief of the Journal of Neurointerventional Surgery. We're thrilled to be coming to you today in our next podcast from BMA House in London. Uh, I am uh, honored to have as my co-host, my friend uh, and associate editor, Josh Hirsch, uh, as well as the CEO of BMJ, Peter Ashman, and the publishing director, Alison Lang. Welcome, this is Truly London Calling. Back to our
1: home audience. Well, we're delighted that um, you've joined us today and uh, for for our colleagues back in the US, um, it's real London weather as well because it's absolutely (laughs) pouring outside.
2: So why don't we get started, Uh, Josh? We thought this would be such a fantastic opportunity being here with Alison and Peter to take advantage of something in the news, something that our traditional listenership may not be that familiar with, but could impact uh, the JNIS and BMJ. We're of course talking about the Brexit and uh, we thought we'd start by just asking Peter and Allison, what is it recognizing that much of our audience is outside of the UK?
1: Well, Brexit is a, is a term that was invented. Actually, it's not a real word. Um, it means Britain exiting. That's what Brexit stands for, and it's Britain exiting the the Euro- European Union, which we uh, joined back in the uh, in the 1970s. But uh, we were given a referendum vote back in uh, June uh, 2016, with everybody having the opportunity to make their call on whether or not. Britain would be better to stay inside the European Union or to exit Brexit. And um, it was the largest number of people voting in any democratic exercise in the UK. Um, And 17 and a bit million people voted to leave. And that was a 52% um, vote in favour of leaving the EU. Since then, there's been... Uh, a two-year hiatus, if you like, where we've been um, trying to negotiate what the terms of an exit might be and how we might um, trade and interact with the Euro- European Union once we've left. And uh, as we speak today, there's another debate going on inside the House of Commons to to vote on the final um that we might have a trading deal, if you like, with um, with Europe uh, in advance of when Britain finally leaves on the 29th of March. Now, many of you will have heard that uh, this is quite a divisive uh, issue in the UK uh, and it's split by parties within themselves as well as uh, Parliament as as well. So um, it's a very fluid and unclear situation at the moment, and uh, who knows? I mean, every day we wake up to another Brexit story as to what will happen if we we vote for this deal or if we don't vote for a deal or if we leave the EU without a deal, what the implications of that might be. So uh, we're really in political turmoil uh, at the moment. Well, Bernard Shaw
2: commented that... um, Uh, England and the United States are two countries separated by a common language. I do think that a common expression here would be, it's as clear as mud. Uh, And rather than try to go down the many different uh, uh, ways that we could think about the Brexit, which is, as you said, complex and divisive. Really, we have a focused interest here today, which is its impact or its potential impact on the publishing industry, the medical publishing industry. So what are your perceptions about that?
3: Um, most of our content that we publish, most of our audience, so certainly upwards of 60-70% of our content and our audience are researchers Um, So 60% of research conducted internationally with collaborations, actually, and obviously um, the UK benefits from that hugely, and as a result, medical publishing in the UK benefits hugely from that. But we're an international publisher, as demonstrated by our publication, obviously in our collaboration with yourselves, which is predominantly a US-focused society and and journal, if you like. Uh, So I guess... I guess what we need to think about really here at BMJ is is sort of a broader effect that perhaps um, withdrawal from the EU will have on the international research community as a whole. Now nobody has the answer to that question actually. Um, there's sort of two ways to look at that. It's about establishing how much content will be disseminated and generated in any interim period. I think at the moment um, there's possibly anecdotal and probably some evidence to suggest that the uncertainty while in the short term could be hindering science I'm not sure we've seen the results of that yet and I'm not sure as you know journal editors and societies you'll have seen any evidence of that yet but obviously there may also be some um, effect on academic research and workforce implications actually in the research environment so as far as we are aware the UK government has pledged to support existing EU grants, of which UK is a part of up until 2020. But I think, as Peter says, you know, that we're in a very, very fluid situation. And I don't think anyone has mapped out the exact research landscape, either in Brexit with a deal or the possibility of a no deal scenario. And then I think the other area that could impact uh, medical publishing in terms of content and I'm speaking about representing the community here is really um, changes in UK healthcare if you like in terms of workforce development there has been some um, editorials published in the BMJ suggesting that Brexit could damage health through supply chains etc but again we're in a sort of very fluid and I certainly don't want to be in any sort of scaremongering position around that but there are as far as content generation and research dissemination We still have to wait and see, but these are the two areas that I think from those perspectives could impact in the long-term future.
0: Yeah, there are a number of potential trickle-down effects of uh, something like Brexit, Uh, not just in terms of the the research that you mentioned, but also the clinical workforce in uh, the UK, um, of which I would think a sizable percentage are immigrants from Europe. And those kinds of things, with time, uh, I would think would have an effect on the publishing industry, uh, the medical publishing industry, as would uh, the point that you mentioned, uh, access to research, clinical trials, and so forth. All of these things, while the impact may not be immediate, could certainly be something that we feel uh, or sense over decades.
1: Yes I think um I think you're absolutely right the people uh, impact is is an important one and um and I was thinking as a CEO of BMJ uh, of the the amount of work and effort and thought that's going into the impact of BMJ leaving and I some of the older ones amongst us will remember something called Y2K um which was <laughs> You know, leading up to what might happen in 2000 and uh, yeah, eventually uh, nothing happened at all. But in terms of the volume and the time and the effort and the money that companies around the, the, uh, Europe are, particularly Britain are, um, are spending on, on this issue is um, enormous. And I suppose as a CEO, the people is something is one of the, the key categories. Both uh, on the clinical workforce, but also as a as a company and as a publishing company, we have lots of people who um, uh, are from the European Union working for uh, for BMJ. So that's a, a really important issue in trying to understand what the implications there might be. But there are there are others, probably five in total, I guess that we that we're looking at is the people, the tax implications. We have very favourable tax payment and receipt uh, arrangements at the moment and uh, if those were to go, if we don't have a deal with the EU, that could be a real uh, impact for us. What else might happen in the um, the digital landscape in order to transfer data from this side of the uh, channel uh, to Europe, that's a, a, another issue. The fourth would be the general trading and supplying of goods. I mean in a simple I know that J&I's is printed in the US, but uh, many of our other journals aren't, and we, we source our paper uh, and our ink, ironically, from, uh, from outside the UK. So uh, what might be the implications of a no-deal Brexit there? Can we still get the paper to send out our copies of the BMJ every, every week? Um, and then there's the exchange rates, and uh, we all know that the uh, the pound is fluctuating all over the place, with the with the euro and with the dollar at the moment. And this uncertainty as to what um, the final Brexit deal might look like, uh, only adds to um, the, the volatility around the markets. So um, we'll probably keep saying it, but we just. <laughs> don't know what the uh, what the impact of all this is going to be, and by the time people listen to this podcast, it will be a very different one <laughs> to the one that we're recording uh, on the uh, on the twelfth of March. Th- thank you uh, for that,
2: Peter. Uh, global response about medical publishing. Let's drill down to our own journal, Allison. Do you think there's a specific impact potentially on the JNIS?
3: Not as far as I can tell at the moment. JNIS is in really good shape in this environment, I think, really. And that's really because um, the majority of your submissions and your audience, your accepted articles, come from North America. And obviously that's representative of the brilliant science that's happening either with or without collaborations the predominant authorship is in the U.S. which is brilliant and obviously the ownership model as well with SNIS so I think you're in really good shape more than 50% upwards of 60% actually of your content is, is from the U.S. so I think that's great and actually UK if we're talking about the impact as I mentioned on UK science which is kind of unknown at the moment but will be potentially trickled down after many years. UK authorship or content doesn't feature in your top 10 list, actually. So actually, you know, as far as risks goes, you're not in that risk area as well. So keep publishing that wonderful content that you've already got.
1: (laughs) I would also add to that, that I think that JNIS is a remarkable journal. I've been involved with uh, the journal since before it was even launched. I was right there at the very beginning. And and I think that there are similarities between JNIS and the UK in some regards. The UK is the fifth largest economy in the world. And I think that um, however difficult uh, a time we might be going through uh, with trying to sort out the deal or a no deal, I think that the United Kingdom will be okay, because we're in really good sh- good shape and a very large economy. The similarity with the JNIS is the amazing work that we have done together as a team, SNIS, BMJ, the JNIS editorial team over the last 10 years, to get the impact factor up, to get the quality of the research up, and to get the reputation of the journal um, as the number one journal, in my view, In this field, so I think that there may be some challenges coming along in the future as a result of Brexit for JNIS. But um, I think the journal is in incredibly strong position, and our partnership is really strong. That we will comfortably weather any challenges that come towards us.
0: It's it's good to hear that, Peter. It uh, it brings us uh, some uh, some level of, of comfort. I am curious, however, regarding the other journals that BMJ uh, publishes. Uh, you publish a total of seventy two journals. I would think a substantial percentage of those is are European based journals. Um, if the jnis is going to be fine how would you view those other uh, journals that are based i think it, your... i
3: think it's a very similar picture because again they're in, they're all international journals really that are gone the days of any of our journals being uk centric and that they're completely supported by either uk research or opinion or healthcare etc so I, I would it's it's the same picture really as well
1: yes we would never be complacent, um, and I think perhaps the journal with the biggest um, potential impact is the BMJ. Uh, the BMJ is our flagship publication, goes to one hundred and fifty-six thousand UK doctors, uh, as I said, uh, printed on uh, European paper every week. But um, and so I think there could be some some impacts there. Um, impacts on the workforce as well. But BMJ as a company we work with uh, a, a wide range of European um, societies and partners as we uh, publish their journals. And I think that you know, people are still going to need to access this content. There needs still to be a way to to, to make this happen and for people to uh, publish their research in high quality journals and for researchers around the world to be able to access it. So um, I think we will find a way Uh, to overcome anything that might come our our way so um, as I say we're not complacent about it that would absolutely be wrong but uh, we feel confident.
2: Well sitting here in the uh, studio at BMJ I do remember back to a time when I think we were all younger and we uh, uh, started this journey and boy what an amazing journey it has been so so gratifying to be a part of it here in London of course you're always impressed if you're uh, a visitor with the uh, British uh, ability to uh, be both modest and understated. At the same time, we started off uh, by uh, talking about how, to the American observer, this is clear as mud. But our two remarkable discussants, Peter and Allison, taking time for their incredibly busy day, have clarified for us how uh, this this large issue of Brexit might or might not impact the medical publishing industry, and of course the journal that we all love so much. So with that, I'll turn it back to my editor-in-chief and friend, Philippe yeah. Albuquerque. No, I, I would just like to echo Josh's uh, thanks.
0: Uh, it's a tremendous experience for us to come here uh, on a yearly basis. Uh, we brought our editorial board here today. Uh, for an editorial board meeting. Uh, It's uh, an event that happens every three years uh, for our editorial board, and it was exciting uh, to be in this uh, wonderful historic BMA house uh, and to sit for this podcast with, with both of you. So I thank you.